where you like. What I, my framework, mental framework for this meeting, I will tell you, if you think it is okay, we'll follow that. Otherwise, we'll do whatever you like. My mental framework was that since you have come to the masjid and you want to understand about Islam, let me try to give you a very brief and simple thumbnail sketch of what Islam is. And after that, I'll open it to questions and you can ask me whatever you like and I will answer whatever I like. So I think that <laughs> that is a good format for, uh, you know. Um, reason being that, uh, as you know, there is uh, Islam is today probably the most discussed, uh, the most talked about, the most, uh, which has the maximum uh, media exposure of any religion in the world. Now, that's both a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, the bad thing is that there's a huge stress on everybody. Uh, and also, because there is this major interest, there is also a lot of uh, false information, a lot of misinformation, some deliberate, some accidental, which is floating around. And most people who do not know Islam, and this is not necessarily people who are not Muslim. There are many, many Muslims who also don't know Islam. So, many of them are then confused. What do I actually believe? You know, which one is true? Somebody is saying this and somebody is saying that. Somebody is saying that women are, op are oppressed in Islam and, you know, they, they are worse than animals. And uh, some other people are saying this is not true. Now, which one is, how do I believe? Who do I believe? Similarly, other things, right? Uh, so, Muslims uh, are, uh, all Muslims eat beef uh, or uh, you cannot be a Muslim unless you eat beef. Or, you know, all kinds of things, right? So, any number of... So, the problem is that people like uh, yourselves and uh, myself, people who know, who would like to know, we really know, who, who do you ask? I mean, who do you ask? Who, you can ask, but who do you believe? Because you ask somebody, do they know, do they not know? Maybe I'm asking someone, I'm still getting wrong information. We don't know. So, that is why I think it's a good idea to try to clarify some of those things. And a good framework is, let me begin with some basics. And then you can ask me uh, whatever th thoughts and doubts and so on you have. To put it very briefly, Islam is like the law of gravity. It is law like the law of aerodynamics. It is like the law of thermodynamics. Now you might say, how, is it, how did I bring physics into this? This is supposed to be religion. The reason I bring physics into this because Islam, the laws of physics are the laws created by the one who created that physics. Now, what is the, what is the similarity? Similarity is very simple. Similarity is that if you want to fly a plane, right? you, want to, you say, I want to be a pilot. I want to fly a plane. Then, whether you believe in the laws of aerodynamics or not, whether you like the laws of aerodynamics or not, whether you think the laws of aerodynamics make sense to you or not, unless you follow the laws of aerodynamics, you will not be able to fly. It's as simple as that. So, it's not a question of saying, no, 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 but you see, I don't believe. No problem, don't believe. You won't fly, that's it. Now, you might say, well, you know, I don't believe, but I will follow the law. No problem, you will fly. You will still fly. As long as you are following that law, you will fly. If you don't follow the law, you won't fly. Simple as that. There is no question of belief and not belief and, you know, I like it or I don't like it. Or You are welcome to like it. You are welcome not to like it. But if you want to fly, you follow this law. Otherwise, the plane will not take off. Period. 
Similarly, another example. Two guys jump out of a plane at 20,000 feet, 25,000 feet. They are skydiving. Right? Both of them have parachutes on their back. They are skydiving. They are free falling. Now, when they are free falling, obviously any free falling object which is in the purview of the gravity of the earth is fa falls at what uh, rate of acceleration? 32 feet per second per second. Right? This is the rate of acceleration of any free falling body, whatever it is. Whether it's a rock, whether it's a comet, whether it's a feather, whether it's a man, woman, child, whatever. So these two guys now, they jump out of the plane and they are free falling. As long as they are free falling, they are going equally. Because the same gravity is acting on both of them. Then when they come to 10,000 feet, at the point, at, at which point they must open their parachute. One guy is about to open his parachute who says to his friend, please pull your ripcord, open the parachute. He says, no, I will not open the parachute. I do not believe in gravity. I don't believe in gravity. Gravity is somebody's imagination. Gravity is rubbish. There is no such thing as gravity. Tell me what will happen? Will gravity disappear? Will gravity stop acting on him? Will gravity suddenly say, oh no, no, hold on, hold on. This fellow does not believe in me, therefore I will not act on him. Is this going to happen? No. The law of gravity will apply and this person will have a grave ending. When he meets Mother Earth, he will understand gravity. Only thing is at that point in time, it is too late. Number two point. At this point at 10,000 feet, now, this guy is trying to persuade this other fellow, please pull your ripcord, you will die. No, I don't believe in gravity. No problem, but I believe, so I pull my ripcord. Now, what happens? Who is going faster? The other guy. The other guy. He is going faster. So, at that point in time, now when he is falling below 10,000, when he is going, he is at about 8,000, he will tell the other five, see, you are a fool. You slowed down. You stopped your descent. You are not having fun. I am having fun. Whee! And then, pow, gone, halas. Now, why am I explaining that to you? Because this is Islam. Islam is to recognize the reality. What is reality? Reality is that which does not depend on belief for its existence. This is my definition of reality. What is reality? Reality is that which does not depend on belief for its existence. Reality is real. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it, it changes nothing. If the entire world and everyone it contains deny the law of gravity, the law of gravity will still be there. It's not going anywhere. Similarly, if the whole world and all who are contained in it deny the one who created us, the one who sustains us, the one who feeds us, the one who teaches us, the one who guides us, the one who protects us, he is still there. He is not going anywhere. Because if the law does not go, how can the lawmaker go? This is Islam. What is the meaning of following Islam? Following Islam means to write your exam from an open book. All of you are students or teachers. What happens when you go to write an exam? You go, you sit there. You are given the uh, you know papers to write and so on. And if it's an open book exam, you are also told you are welcome to refer to the books. No problem. And you are, here, here are the questions. Please answer the questions. 
There are invigilators there, there are teachers there, but does anyone force you to write? No. So supposing I go for this exam, and I say, well, I'm here, but I'm not going to write anything. So at the end of this exam, I'm going to hand over my blank sheet of paper to the examiner. In the examination hall, will I be punished? Will somebody beat me? No. Will somebody force me, put a gun to my head? No, you have to write this thing. No. Your choice, you are here. No problem, no problem. You don't, don't want to write. I mean, I might say, well, you know, if you decided not to write, why are you here? That's a different issue. But since I'm here, another person says, no, I will write, but I'm not going to answer these questions. I am going to write whatever I feel like writing. Will anybody stop them? No. Will anyone force them? No. Third person says, I will answer these questions, but I will not refer to the book. I'm not interested in the book. I will figure out the answers myself. Maybe I am right, maybe I am not right. And there is a final person who says, I am here for the exam. I am taking this matter seriously because at the end of the exam, there has to be a result. That result is going to be important for me because I've got, based on this result, I have to go somewhere, join this college, that college, whatever it is. So it is important for me that this result is good. And Alhamdulillah, I have got the open book is in front of me. I don't even have to think. I don't even have to remember. I can refer to the book as long as I want. I can write the right answers. Everything. I, there is actually a good possibility for me to get every answer correct. I am going to take advantage of these benefits that I have and I will write my exam. Out of all these four people, who is going to pass the exam? The fourth one. The one who followed that thing and he did the book and so on and so forth. This is Islam. Because this world is an examination hall. Islam says this world is an examination hall. The only difference is in the regular examination hall, we can choose to go, we can choose not to go. You might say, well, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in the exam. That is possible. In this world, this is not possible. We are, if you are born, you are born inside the examination hall. So there is, there is, there is no escape. So we are, we are born here, there is an exam. The examiner is very kind, the examiner is very merciful, the examiner will forgive all kinds of things. You write something wrong, you rub it out, no problem. You do whatever you like, as long as at the end of the exam you have the right answers, you are home and dry, no problem. In the examination, you make some mistake, you don't, don't make some mistake, it's okay, it's okay. This is Islam. This is life. What are these rules? The first rule. Recognize your creator. Because he created you. Because he feeds you. Because he nourishes you. Because he teaches you. Because he protects you. Because he looks after you. Recognize your creator. How do I know who is my creator? Because he said it himself. He introduced himself. This is the unique thing about the concept of God in Islam and every other religion, where in every other religion, the concept of God is somebody else explaining who God is to you. Whoever that person is, 
The person may be very wise and the person we respect them enormously. No problem with that. But it is a human being who is explaining to you who is God. In Islam, God speaks to you directly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed his own introduction to you directly in his own words. This is the unique thing about, about Islam. Which is, who is the author of the Quran? God himself. There is no other author of the Quran. There is no author. The Quran is the only book which has no author written on. Name, name is not written on it. Because the author is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. So how did he introduce himself? He said, A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Allahu la ilaha illa huwal hayyul qayyum. La ta'khuduhu sinatu wa la nawm. Lahu ma fis samawati wa ma fil ard. Man dhalladhi yashfa'u indahu illa bi'idhnih. يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ وَلَا يُحِيطُونَ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنْ عِلْمِهِ إِلَّا بِمَا شَاءٌ وَسِعَ كُرْسِيُّهُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ وَلَا يَؤُودُهُ حِفْظُهُمَا وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْعَظِيمُ الله سبحانه وتعالى introduce himself he said who is he he said, Allah, that is his name, Allah, la ilaha illahu, there is no one worthy of worship except him, al-hayyul qayyum, he is alive and he is established, he was never born, he will never die. He is established and he cannot be shaken from his place. La ta'khuduhu sinatum wala naum. He does not get tired. He does not sleep. He does not need sleep. He does not get exhausted. He does not blink an eye. Because he is not like us. The basic concept of God in Islam is Allah is Allah. Laitha kamislihi shayun. There is nothing in creation which is like Him. This table here was made by a carpenter. Does it look like the carpenter? No. Does the table have to look like the carpenter? No. Is there any similarity between the carpenter and the table? No. But the carpenter made the table. You will not say the table created itself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is beyond any mithal, any example that we can give. The creator does not have to look like the creation. The creator does not have to be in the image of the creation. The creator can create whatever he likes. Why, why do we worship Allah? Because he is unlike anything we know. Allah is not a superman, he is not a super superwoman, Allah is, Allah is not a Indian man, an Indian woman, he is not a Greek man or a Greek woman. Have you ever thought about this, that how is it that we have all the pantheon of uh, gods in Greek and Roman mythology, there is not one black person in it. How come? Think about that. They are all white and blonde. People create God in their own image. 
Islam says, no, there is no need for you to exercise your imagination to create God in your image. That is why if I create my God, my God will look like me. I am Indian, my God will look Indian. I am Greek, my God will look like a Greek, Greek gods. If I am Roman, my my God will look like a Roman because that, that's my concept of, of what is good, what is beauty. My concept of beauty will not be a black person. My concept of beauty will not be a white person. My concept of beauty will be an Indian person. So if I am going to create God, my God is going to be another super Indian. So I will, my God will be stronger than me, bigger than me and so on and so forth. But it will be somebody like me. I have relatives, so my God will have relatives. I have a wife, my God will have a wife. I have a husband, my God will have a husband. I have children, my God will have children. They will be different from my children, but they will still be children. Islam says, no, 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 no. All of this is your imagination. Most welcome, exercise your imagination. Nobody is going to chop your head off for that. No problem. Reality is different. Like aerodynamics. Like gravity. Imagine whatever you like, but respect the reality because... One day you will be in contact with it. And what is the reality? The reality is that God is like nothing like us. Allah is Allah. He does not get tired by creating things. He does not need sleep. He does not need rest. All of these are our human issues. We get tired. We need rest. We need sleep. So when we create a God, we say God also needs sleep. If God, if God is like me, why must I worship him? Simple question. If God is like me, no matter how big, how much of a superman, if he is like me, why do I worship? I can respect him. Yes, sure, no problem. I respect my teachers, I respect my elders, I respect, you know, my friends. Worship is different from respect. Worship is to completely and totally surrender yourself before the object of worship and ask help only and only from him. And that is why the Quran says, It is a declaration of faith which is done in every single rakat of every salah. When we pray, this is what we say, Oh Allah, only you we worship and only you we ask for help. Nobody else. We do not join partners with you because there are no partners to you. This is Islam. Who is it who can intercede? Who is it who can come in between people? Who is it who can tell God do this, do that? Nobody except by his will. If he wants somebody to intercede, if he wants to say, yes, you please tell me, who do you want? Tell me, do you want me to forgive somebody? You say, yes, please. You know, the old man sitting there, please forgive him. No problem. Then this will happen. But without his permission, won't happen. No matter who you are. In this world, you might be a great king and a queen or a great scholar or whoever you are. Without the permission of Allah, you will not be able to speak. يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ He is the one who knows what is before them and what is behind them. Before and behind is obviously refers also to physical before and behind, but it means also the future. What is going to happen in this world tomorrow, one hundred years later, ten years later, thousand years later? Do we know? We can conceptualize, we can imagine, 
we can say that if the global warming happens the way it is happening then there won't be any future forget about what will happen in the future there will be no future because we are burning up fossil fuels we are filling the atmosphere with carbon dioxide we are cutting trees like there is no tomorrow we are doing all kinds of stuff we are polluting the earth we are polluting the air and the water and everything else they, we are poisoning this world and the earth there will be no future if we continue like this but this is our imagination i'm not saying it is wrong i'm saying if i tell you absolutely with certainty can you tell me what is going to happen in 2020 you say sorry excuse me how how will i tell you sir but allah knows with certainty with absolute certainty wala yuhituna bi shay'in min ilmihi illa bima sha who is it that can have his knowledge without his will the concept of islam about knowledge is that all knowledge is from the creator whether it is knowledge of physics or theology or chemistry or mathematics or biology or sociology or any kind of knowledge comes from only one source which is the creator of all that knowledge and he gives that knowledge to us depending on how he wishes which means he gives in connection and in proportion to the effort we make to acquire this knowledge knowledge is not given only to muslims knowledge is not given only to those who worship allah knowledge is given to the one who makes the effort to gain this knowledge if that person is a muslim very nice if the person is not a muslim that person will still get the knowledge and that knowledge is still from allah subhanahu wa taala only whether the person receiving the knowledge accepts it agrees with it does not agree with it makes no difference that knowledge is from that particular source this water is coming out of that cooler the water is for anyone who wants to take it whether i say this water is from the cooler or somewhere else doesn't matter the water is from the cooler wala yaudhu hifzuhuma wa huwa al-aliyul azim allah is the one who protects allah is the one who cares allah is the one who helps in every single way i gave you only i recited the quran because some of you may not have heard the quran how many of you heard the quran for the first time good alhamdulillah youtube is full of it go search on youtube Huh? it sounds nice at least sounds nice to me i don't <laughs> this is islam so islam is accepting reality islam is following those rules and then understand the rules are not meant for the one who made the rules because it, they don't affect him he is the one who is making the rules the rules are made for the people in the world islam for example says to kill one person without cause meaning you might say well what is the cause the only cause which islam recognizes is that a person is sentenced to death by a court after due process in law so if there is capital punishment and if the person is sentenced to death somebody commits murder is sentenced to death after due process in law then that death is not murder that is execution by the state other than that any the death of one individual no matter who that individual is please understand islam is not saying the death of one muslim 
No one, no matter. Whether the person is Muslim or Hindu or Sikh or Christian or atheist or agnostic or what, that doesn't matter. The death of one single individual in Islam is considered like the death of all of humanity. Killing one person is like eliminating the entire human population. And saving the life of one person. Whether that person is Hindu or Muslim or whoever makes no difference. Saving the life of one person is like saving the lives of all of humanity. This is Islamic law. And of course I can tell you many things more. We will open for questions in another two seconds. The point I am saying is this is what is Islam. In a nutshell. Right? Are you all with me up to this point? What I have told you? Please understand, I am not telling you to accept. I am giving you my understanding and of the facts. Accepting, not accepting, all of that is up to you. As we said, لا إكراه في الدين قد تبين الرشد من الغي Allah said, there is no compulsion in Islam. The path of guidance and that which is against it, it has been clearly demarcated and mentioned. So, that is open to discussion and open to questions now. We've got, uh, yeah, we've got time. No problem. Yes. Just had a doubt that if uh, reality is what we believe, uh, there is some person, not a person, so there is some superpower which, is, which has introduced itself. Then why did not this superpower stop these people have actually made this thing total like in their own way. Very nice. Why did that superpower not stop them from, in that from doing that? Very good, very good, very, very good question, excellent. If there is a superpower which has introduced itself, so we are saying if Allah actually exists and if this, if this introduction of Allah is his introduction and he has all of this power and authority and control and so on and so forth, then how come he does not stop somebody from creating something else and calling that person, that individual or that entity God and worshipping them. Why doesn't he stop this? What did I tell you about the examination hall? It is not the job of the invigilator or the teacher to force someone to write something. Book has been given. That is the point. The, the whole point of free choice is this. You are free to choose. So, if I want to create my own God, I can do that. No problem. But will the actual reality change? It won't change. Will the rule change? The rule won't change. But in this framework, in this time frame of this lifespan that we have, are we free to do whatever we like? Yes. Having said that, you might say, you know what, I did not know the consequences of this. If I had known the consequences, I would not have chosen. I murdered somebody, I did not realize that murder is a crime. So if somebody had told me that murder is a crime and if I murder somebody, I am going to hang that, I would not have murdered somebody. That's a fair question. But how about you have been told murder is a crime, please don't kill anybody. If you murder, then you will get caught and you will hang. You still murder somebody, then you say, no, no, you should have stopped me. How is it possible? He stopped you. He told you this is the consequence. Now, you might still say, no, 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 you should have stopped me by holding my hand. Yeah, fair enough, you have a right to say that. 
But he also has the right to say, no, I have made the rules. The rules are that in this framework, in this period, from 9 a.m. to 11.30 p.m., 11.30 a.m., this period of the examination, nobody will interfere with you. Here is the question paper. Here is the open book. Read the book. Answer the question paper, question. Write something. Don't write something. Whatever you like. This is the rule. That also is a rule that you have free choice. There's no compulsion. Nobody can force you to accept Allah. Nobody can force you to accept Islam. Nobody can force you to, even if you are a Muslim, born into a Muslim home, nobody can force you to pray. Nobody can force you to do anything. But at the same time, all the rules and the consequences of the rules have been explained. That is the whole concept of free choice. Any other question? Is there a possibility that Allah imagined it in a different way and it came out in a different way? Do you think so? Because if Allah has pre-knowledge of everything, can He make a mistake? Oh, I imagine it like, oh, how come this happened? Is that possible? It's not possible. Not possible. Correct. So therefore, that did not happen. Why is it still happening? Because He gave free choice. Because people are do people people do whatever they like to do. That is the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, Allah said, there has never been a place to which a messenger was not sent. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned some of those messengers by name. What the ones he mentioned are mostly in the Middle Eastern area. Actually ranging all the way from, uh, from the top from Palestine, uh, Syria, Lebanon, uh, the, the ancient civilizations of uh, Babylon and the Sumerians and all of that. So, over a period uh, which is spanning almost about 4,000 4, plus years, those have been mentioned. But Allah said very specifically in the Quran that there is, has not been any place on the earth where people lived where a messenger was not sent. So, if you say, do you think a messenger was sent to Mohanjadaro and Harappa? Answer is yes. You say, who was he? We don't know. Similarly, you might say, well, was a messenger sent to some other place where, you know, the, the, the heartland of Africa? Yes. Answer is yes. Who was that person? We don't know. So, some we know, names we know, some we don't know because it's not important to know the name. I don't know. Then you say, well, you know, I have this person in my country who I think must have been a messenger of Allah. Uh, how do I differentiate? How do I know that? How we know that is because by the message that the person gave. So, if you say that so-and-so was a message, I think the person was a message of Allah, then we say, well, what was the message that he preached? So, if this person preached the message that there is only one creator and that one creator is to be worshipped and obeyed, then yes, that person was probably a messenger of Allah. If that person preached something else, then obviously that person was not a messenger of Allah. He may have been a good person and so on and so forth. We have no quarrel with that. But was that person a messenger of Allah? No. Because obviously a messenger will preach the message. And the message is the same message from the beginning of time to the end of time, whenever time ends. The message does not change because the reality is not changing. Yes. Very nice. Very good question. How does Allah know everything if and He does not make mistakes because we learn from mistakes. Right. Very nice. Who learns from mistakes? We learn from mistakes. And you are very right. We should make mistakes. 
and when we are when we make a mistake we should not be punished what is the difference between a mistake and a crime anybody correct a mistake is not done consciously a crime is done consciously i know something is wrong i am still doing it then it's a crime if i knock my hand against this glass by mistake it falls down the carpet will become wet and so this is not a great thing to do but it's a mistake so what will you say are you know whatever mop it up but supposing i take the glass and pour it down on the wall, then we say this is rubbish i mean you know it's a prayer place you know this carpet is you know should be kept clean you take this thing and you drop it on the carpet and you say it's a mistake no no sorry excuse me not a mistake this is a crime you know you know it is wrong you still do it we have to respect the place it's a it's a place of worship we cannot dirty it how do you do that you know you are supposed to know this mistake and crime so mistakes yes we make mistakes and we should make mistakes because unless you make a mistake that means you are not trying anything new if you never try anything new you will never learn anything so you have to try make a mistake no problem learn from that mistake that's how we learn but allah is perfect so all knowledge belongs to him when when all knowledge belongs to him how can the one who who has all the knowledge how can he make a mistake same analogy for example if you make a mistake and i make the same mistake what are you going to say you will say no it's okay for our how come you make a you made the same mistake why are you saying that i can say i i can say no 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 you are not fair you know she and i are equal is no no excuse me you are not equal you are five times her age you have got you have been to university and post graduation and doctorate and this and that and you still make the mistake she and you call that a mistake no no it can't be a mistake we have a different framework of because the knowledge is perfect so with allah the knowledge is perfect therefore he does not make mistakes he doesn't have to learn from mistakes the one who has to learn is the one who does not know but when the one who knows everything there is nothing for him to learn he teaches and that is why he sent messengers that is why he sent his his books in islam we recognize again we, we, it's not restricted to the four books but in islam we recognize the four books which have been mentioned in the quran there is the zabur which is the book that was sent to daud alayhi salam to david there is the the uh, bible what is not, what in 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 christianity we have separated them into two but what is known as generally as the old testament or the torah which came to moses musa alayhi salam there is the injil which is the bible the uh, new testament which came to isa alayhi salam and then there is the quran which came to muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam so these are the four books we recognize there is some books which came to ibrahim alayhi salam so so of ibrahim they are called the books of ibrahim so they came to ibrahim alayhi salam and again as we said allah subhanahu wa taala said we have sent people to different places those people would have got books and so on and so forth what is common between all of these the same thing which is there is no god but one the lord your god is one that is from the bible la ilaha illallah is from the quran all the books they say the same thing some books over time people have changed for example In the Bible, Deuteronomy fourteen eight, eating of pork is prohibited. Go look it up. Completely and totally prohibited. But Christians have been eating pork for centuries. Now, if you ask them, well, why are you doing that? They say, well, whatever reason. The point is, and I can give you many other many examples. I'm not going to do that. Not, that's not my purpose here. But my point is, Islam differentiates on this basis to say that we believe. that god knows better than me therefore if he ordered something we follow it we do not change it because it is not our book i have written many books 
So if you take one of my books and you read the book and you say, well, you know what, this is a nice book. I agree with it. But this particular chapter, I don't like this chapter, so I'm going to delete it. And I'm going to republish this book now and still call it my book. Is it possible? No. What have you just done? You have violated copyright laws and you will be in jail for that. People sometimes ask, why can't the Quran be changed? Because you are not the author. Only authors can change their books. Somebody else cannot change the book. If you do that, the book is still not changed. The original book is the original book. What you have made is your version of that. And this is what happened with most other books. The Quran was preserved perfectly and completely from day one. It was memorized, it was written down, it was debated and discussed and it was established. And therefore, there is no change in the Quran. Yes, please. Very nice. Very good question. How did somebody find the Quran? Somebody could have written it. Absolutely, somebody could have written it. Except that they did not write it. How do we know this? What is the proof? Proof is very simple. The Quran was revealed to Muhammad who was himself illiterate. He was unlettered. He could not read and write. Now it's not as if he was one ignorant man among all people. That was the, that was the state of most societies. Take India for example. In India, we have a very rich tradition of literally several thousand years of two things. One is enormous memory power. We have people, for example, we have rishis and we have uh, people who remember and they can recite thousands of slokas. Not, not just one or two, not hundreds, thousands of slokas. Perfectly from memory. This was the case of most societies. People could speak, they could memorize, they could recite and they were perfect. I mean, somebody, there were people at that time because the memory was exercised that much, it was very strong. Today, we, we can't even remember one phone number. I remember when, when I was your age, I remembered many, many phone numbers or my friend's phone numbers I could remember because we had no, no other way. We had a fat telephone directly, you have to look it up. Otherwise, we had no cell phones, we, you know, so you had to remember the numbers. But today, I can't even remember, I don't even remember his number, I mean, other number. Because I don't need to remember it. So, memory has gone blank with for all those things. So, in the time of Muhammad in Arabia was a similar situation like India, which is that the majority of the population could not read and write. But they could understand, they could remember, they, if you spoke to them, they were not ignorant, foolish people. They were very intelligent people. Even today, if you go into many of our villages, you will have people who cannot read and write, but they are very intelligent people. I worked with them for over 15-16 years in Kerala and Tamil Nadu. And I can tell you, I can tell you, I've got some advice from people, my workers in, in the tea gardens and the rubber plantations, who were completely illiterate when they, used to, when they would come to accept, to take their salaries, they used to put a thumbprint. They could not even sign their own names. But brilliant advice. One guy created a water channel for me over two miles using gravity. And he only used bamboos. And two diesel drums. That's it. It's hydraulic engineering. And that guy was a thumbprint fellow. Yeah, he, he, he did not, could not even write his own name. So therefore, as far as this uh, knowledge is concerned, the Quran was revealed to Muhammad Sallallahu Now, Muhammad Sallallahu was somebody who could not read and write. But he 
was then when he got the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he recited what he has received, which was written down. And when people saw that, they said, this is such a high level of literature that this man could not have written it. First of all, this man can't read and write. Secondly, this level of literature does not exist. Number one. Number two, there are things mentioned in the Quran which were not part of the knowledge base of the world at that time. We know this from history. If you read history, you understand that people in the 7th century, they did not have this knowledge. For example, in the Quran, there is a detailed description of the development of the embryo. From the time of conceptualization, when a baby is made, from the time the sperm and the egg come together and a embryo is formed to the time of the birth of a baby, the Quran gives a detailed scientific explanation. This was not part of the human body of knowledge in the 7th century. So how come now, here is this man who did not even read and write, he is speaking all of this. How? And there are many such examples. There are examples in cosmology, come a second. there are examples in biology, all sorts of stuff. So therefore, we, we say that the Quran is a revelation from God and it was therefore preserved in complete accuracy. Nobody changed any word in it till today. That is the Quran which we have. Yes. I'll come to you in a second. I'll come back to you. Yeah. I'm old and deaf. You have to speak loudly. Very nice. He did not read the Quran. If he could not read and write, how did he read the Quran? He never read the Quran. The Quran was recited to him by the angel and he repeated what he recited. That he repeated was written down by other people. But to the end of his days, he could never read the Quran. He never read the Quran. He doesn't have to read the Quran. He, he, he memorized it completely. As I told you, people had amazing memories. Yes. Allah also did not write the book as we and as you and I understand writing. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recited, revealed that book to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and who repeated that. And for example, if you are sitting there, he would have said, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. This is what your Rabb told you just now. You remember that and you write down Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. So now we have this line which is written in your hand. But if I ask you, what's your name? Raga. If I ask you, Raga, did you write this? What will you tell me? So, no, I didn't write this. I just copied it. From where did you copy it? Sheikh Yawar told me what he told me. I have written down. So, if now, if I, I say, suppose you get this book. You know, no, this book is written by Raga. What will Raga say? Raga said, no, sorry, excuse me. I didn't write this book. That is why there is no name. Yes. Politics. Politics. One word. Why do people make difference between Hindus and Muslims? Politics. You know, I can recite the Paternoster. How many Christians are here? Anybody? You're Christian. Are you Catholic? You understand the Paternoster? The Lord's Prayer. What kind of Catholic are you? <laughs> I went to my, my initial schooling. First two or three years of schooling was in St. George's Grammar School. Here. 
Catholic school. To this day, I, I, I remember, I remember and I can, I, I can recite the Petronaster, I can recite Ava Maria, the Lord's Prayer, all of this inside me. Practically in my, in my uh, growing up days, we lived in Sanatnagar in Czech colony and we were two Muslim families and everyone else in that colony was, they were Hindus and most of them, majority were Marwadis because it was a Marwadi company. What, what, how, how did that affect me? Love for Marwadi sweets. <laughs> and Supravadam. Right? How many of you know what is Suprabhatam? <laughs> At least somebody knows. Okay, good. <laughs> huh? These differences between Hindus and Muslims are pure politics and dirty politics. Never follow that. If someone tells you, tell him, sorry, excuse me, I am not interested in this. We are human beings. What you believe and what I believe is Alhamdulillah, it is good. You believe differently from me, absolutely no problem. But as human beings, should I hate you? Should you hate me? For what? Why must I hate you? For what? What have you done to me? Never follow, fall into this trap. I am very happy you asked this question. Very good. Pure politics, nothing else. People are taking advantage of this politics in order to get votes. They play these cheap games. In the end, who gets hurt? Have you ever heard of a politician actually getting hurt, whether it is Muslim or Hindu or who? Have you ever heard of a politician actually getting hurt? No. Whose house burns? Who is lynched? Who is killed? People like you and me. So why must we fall into this trap? Did you all get the sweets? There are some more here. Please have some. Anybody else? Yes. Ah, very good question. I am I'm asking, I am wondering how come these questions are not coming? <laughs> Why are women forced to wear burqas and cover their hair? Now, first thing, for, who forced you to wear this burqa? I am asking you. you, you. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, does it mean that every woman who is wearing a burqa is, is doing it voluntarily and she has not been forced? No. Some women are forced. Just like some women, I went to one of my very good Chettiar friends in uh, Palatur, in Chettinad. His uh, daughter was getting married. And I knew his wife had passed away. Right? So, uh, no, no, his, his niece was getting married. His, his brother's uh, daughter was getting married and uh, his brother had passed away. So, when I went for this wedding, I am looking for this girl's mother and I don't see her anywhere. This is very strange. This is a the woman, her daughter is getting married and she is nowhere to be seen. So, I asked somebody, I said, Long hang here, Kanga. His mother, where is, you know, I am speaking Tamil. So, I said, Where is her mother? He said, No, 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 she cannot come. I said, It is her daughter's wedding and she cannot come. She cannot bless the daughter. No, 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 she can. Hey, what can I? I said, How? Why? Tell me why. She said, No, 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 this is Ashub. This is, you know, bad luck. For the daughter, her wedding will be ruined. If the mother, who is a widow, 
if she comes, I said, for God's sake, I mean, the man died, she didn't kill him, no? She's a widow, is it her fault if she's a widow? Did she want to be a widow? He said, no, 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 but this is our uh, belief. I said, this is terrible. I mean, you know, the woman's daughter is getting married. Such an important event. The daughter also obviously will want her mother to be there. You can't do that because this is the issue of force. So there is a lot of, in this whole world, there is a huge pressure on patriarchy, on male domination. Every culture has it. Every nation has it. Every religion has it. So some women who you find in Burqa may have been forced by their, by their you know, male members in the family, whoever it was, father or husband. Or, this is possible. I'm, I'm not saying that every single woman who is wearing a Burqa is doing it by her own free will. Some will be forced, no doubt about that. But also equally true, there are thousands and millions who nobody has forced. My wife is one of them. I've been married for 35 years. You know why? Because I recognize one thing in my life. I have, to, I have to know one word which I must say it and this man there at the back of he just got married. I'm trying to give the same advice. What should a man know before he gets married? Are you married? No? Man. You know what a man must know to have a successful marriage? Only one word. What is this word? Sorry. <laughs> That is a good one, I tell you. <laughs> you will have a very happy marriage. Huh? <laughs> you must get somebody who wants. Huh? Sorry, that's it. Uh, there, is, there, is, there is a very nice story. This young, this young boy goes to his father. He said, Dad, you know, I, I'm now, I, I need to get a wife. Uh, I must get married. Please uh, arrange my marriage. Father says, say sorry. He said, I didn't do anything. Say sorry. He said, Dad, I, say sorry. He said, okay, sorry. He said, okay, now you are ready. <laughs> right? So, this is the issue of patriarchy. But definitely, there are any number of women who wear the burqa or who wear the hijab. And incidentally, burqa is like what our sister here is wearing. That is what is required. Some people also cover their face. This is their free will. They want to do that, they do that. Islam does not force them to do that, right? Now, uh, some people, uh, they do that voluntarily. Now, think about this. What is, the, I'll come to you in a second. Uh, what is the hijab or the burqa, what is it trying to do? It is trying to, in clothing, it is focused on dignity for the person. Why do, tell me something, this is something, it's a very interesting question, you must think about it in a, in a different way, out of the box thinking. Tell me something, why is there a focus, that's why I must read history also. If you read the history of the industrial revolution, you want to understand the burqa, read the history of the industrial revolution. Right, think about that. What is that? History of the industrial revolution is when factories got invented, they need, the capitalists, the owners of capital, the owners of the factories, they needed labor. So obviously first cut, who comes? Men. Now you got a factory, you got men. But now you got a, another factory, another 10 factories, you need more labor. Where is that good labor going to come from? So they say, well, you know, women are sitting in the home. They are not doing anything. How can we get them into the factory? They had two problems. First problem was with the women, also the children. So if we take the man and the woman both out of the factory, what to do with the children? That is where schools came into being. 
So instead of one parent or two parents looking after two children, we say collect all these twenty children, put them, put them into one room. One per one adult is is enough to look after them. This is how the schooling system started at the same time as the industrial revolution. And then what did you have? You had women who were dressed like her. What is the picture of of Mother Mary? What is the statue of Mother Mary look like? Like her or like me or like you? Have you ever seen a, a Mother Mary in 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 mini skirts? Have you ever seen Mother Mary in jeans? Have you ever seen Mother Mary with the hair flowing all over on a nice afro or something? No. Why? Because that is a symbol of dignity of the woman. So you had people dressed like this. Now the problem is, I don't know how many of you understand manufacturing, but if you go too near a machine, wearing loose clothing is dangerous because it will get caught in the machine. It will pull you into the machine. Next thing you know, you have lost a hand or head or something. So we say, no, 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 we can't have that. We must have people wearing tight clothing, which is for number one for safety. Number two, now you have this woman who is, you know, who has this. Uh, Thirty-six, twenty-four, thirty-six kind of figure, but now she is in tight clothing. Who is enjoying this? Another woman or the man? The bearing of women's bodies, whether physically or because of tight clothing, is the mark of male domination. It is not the mark of freedom of the female. it is a mark of the enslavement of the female mind where the female has been convinced that your freedom is to show yourself to me so that i can enjoy they don't say that in so many words but that is the actual reality of the so called freedom of woman with regard to clothing so it's a combination of industrial revolution as well as a psychological enslavement of women thanks to patriarchy and male domination So think about it in, the, in that context. Take our in, forget about the burka. Take about our take our Indian uh, clothing uh, norms. Why do women wear a ghungat? Why do why do especially in Rajasthan, Marwadi women and other women they they pull the the ghungat over their face? Why to this day, to this day, if you are driving in rural uh, Rajasthan, you will find the women are are village women walking on the road. They will have their head covered like you have it covered. But if you stop the car and they see men there, they will immediately pull the why do they are not muslim women this is the symbol of dignity this is the symbol we don't want to show our bodies to every man who wants to look at us and drool sorry now that that's not i'm not a sex object you want to relate to me as a woman relate to me as a woman no problem i'm i'm equal to you in every respect this is what islam says but you want to to look at me as a sex object sorry i'm not interested that is not why i was created in the world this is the concept of burqa and hijab in islam after that all right wa sallallahu ala nabiyil karim wa alihi wa sahbihi ajmain bi rahmatin